Hi, my name is Safi, and you're listening to Professional Rambler Podcast. This is episode 12, where I'm going to talk about the African bleeding movement and uh, everything else that's going on around the world. I don't usually tend to talk a lot about, like, um, a lot of things that you can't really actively do anything to change about because a lot of these governments in these situations are really corrupt, and you can't donate money if the, gov- the government is just going to take it to themselves because, like, realistically, let's say if this was happening in America and, like, people were donating from other countries, how would the government um, give the money to you? You would either have to apply for the grant or the money or, like, if you lived in, like, a village, how would you hear about about the government giving the money? The government's not going to put on a billboard saying, we're giving that free money, come apply. They're not just going to, like, go to each village and just and set and give each people money. That's not how our world works, sadly. So you can't really donate and you can't sign petitions if the government doesn't want to change. So that's why I don't usually talk about it. But, but I think it's important to share awareness in this type of situation. And unless you know, like, an individual person in that country that's happening, that's the only way you can really give money to them. Or if you donate to, like, a third-party website like GoFundMe or, like, Red Car, the money's just going to go to those companies and not the actual people in desperate needs. So, like, when people were donating in, like, to Yemen, the money doesn't really go to regular Yemen civilians. It just goes to the government or goes back to, like, Red Cross or GoFundMe or whoever started the GoFundMe. So... It's really, there's no point, and it's, and petitions can't really do anything if the government doesn't want to change it, and the government, these countries are kind of, are, are highly fucking corrupt, and that's the whole problem of it. The first, um, the first, um, terrible shit I'm going to talk about is the Ethiopia genocide, and some people are just being slaughtered. At least 239 people have been killed, 3,500 people have been arrested, and I'm in more. More, more than a week of unrest in Ethiopia and, pa- and possesses the biggest challenge to the Nobel Peace Prize winning Prime Minister. I, there's a lot of names I'm not going to be able to say because it's a lot of like foreign names. And I know I'm foreign because I know I'm from like, Nigeria, but like, ah, I was like eight. And now I think I've lost like all my culture. So um, a lot of all of this will be in a written format on my Instagram post for this episode. So it will be there. Um, Aku Hadusa has been rallying a voice in anti-government protests that led the Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed taking power in 2018. Abiy swiftly introduced the protocol reforms that that opened the way to a long-held ethnic and other grievances in Africa's second most populous country. The military was deployed during the outrage in the following of Anulu's death. The 3,500 arrests has been included that a well-known Oromo activist, Jawan Mohammed, and more than 30 supporters. It's not clear what changes they, they might face. The Oromo makes Ethiopia the largest ethnic group, but never had the country's top post until they helped the Abbey to power. Businesses have now began opening um, slowly in the Oromo after the violence in which uh, several hundred homes in Ethiopia were burned or damaged. But Ethiopia's internet service remains cut, but making it difficult for rights to monitor and others to make the scores of the killings. So, I know that's a lot, and that was a lot to really, but yeah, there was, this, um, the government has been, like, arresting protesters and 
stuff like that. In this episode, I'm also not going to put a lot of my personal opinions because I'm not in any of these personal... I don't have any personal relationship with them except from the Nigeria Souls slash Swat. I'm going to later talk about in this episode. But yeah, I can't... Re- and I can't even talk about my personal experiences, but I do have a, um, a friend slash cousin in Nigeria that uh, I asked a couple questions so I can know a little more about what's going on, and he's been stopped by SARS before, so I'm going to later talk about that, but, like, with the Ethiopia genocide, um, basically, like, it's just, like, a lot of corrupt governments that's taking over, and, like, they're arresting and killing protesters. I'm not going to talk about the Yemen situation, the Yemen crisis. The Yemen crisis began in, in 2011-2012, a, re- a revolution against President Ali Abdullah Salah, who had led Yemen for more than three decades. It's, the five, it's, it's five years since a group of countries led by Saudi Arabia started and the bomb of the country of Yemen. The aim was to remove power from a group of people called the Houthi rebels, anti-government fighters, and reinstate the government, which has the government in, into exile. The conflict is the the conflict its roots the failure of political transition supposed to bring stability to Yemen, following the Arab and Spring uprising, and uh, that forced its longtime authoritarian president Ali Abdullah Salah to hand over the power of deputy. I I can't say it. I can't in 2011. The Saudi-led intervention in Yemen is an intervention launched by Saudi Arabia on 20, March 26, 2015, leading the condition of the countries West Asia and North Africa in response to calls from the Saudi president of Yemen, Abdullah Mansour Adi, for military support after he was outed by the Hadi movement due to the economic political grievances and fled to Saudi Arabia. The war, widespread criticism, had a dramatic, worsening effect on the humanitarian situation that reached a level of humanitarian disaster, humanitarian catastrophe, and made labeled it as a genocide. That was a lot. That was like a mouthful. But yeah. But now I'm going to talk about the China Muslim concentration camp that's currently that's currently going on. Um. So. The people who are the Muslims who are being kept in the camps are called Uyghur Muslims, um, and more than one million Muslims have been killed since 2018. This has been going for three years, and I just started learning about it on TikTok about like maybe less than six months ago. So that's just crazy. How, and because the China government has been, I kind of been like. Under Raveland, I've been lying about these camps. Eighty now, currently, um, there've been now eighty-five of these um Muslim concentration camps in China that's been identified. Twenty seventeen, some camps that's not identified, but like right now, there's eighty-five identified camps that's going on in China. The the Chinese government keeps denying these camps, um. Um, the Muslims are forced to eat pork, drink alcohol, and the women are forced to marry Chinese men, and they are forced to attempt zina. Zina is, a, is, is, is having unlawful sex, and all of these are all forbidden in Islam. They are forced to assimilate into like Christianity beliefs and kind of like not be related to uh, to what um to kind of like distance themselves from Islam and kind of assimilate to it like. The general public that's not it. that's 
and the general public and like is mostly Christianity so it's like make sure they're like different um, in China, um, 16,000 mosques has been destroyed by the China government. So I'm going to play this video. I'm going to play a video. I feel like it's going to explain it a little better. China, and no one is doing anything about it. Right now, China's detained over a million Uyghurs and other Turkey Muslims into concentration camps. They are forced to denounce Islam, adopt atheism, and pledge allegiance to the Chinese state. They would spend hours on end chanting in their crowded cells, there is no such thing as religion, or all hail the Chinese state, or all hail Chinese President Xi Jinping. And if the detainees disobey, or if there's any type of resistance, there is torture being used. There are... Um, at least 800,000 and possibly up to a couple of million um, uh, folks in these uh, yeah. detention facilities. Nails are being pulled out, teeth are being pulled out. They're using snakes to interrogate. People are being beaten until they're dead. They're being sterilized, a method used in genocide. They're forced to sit on what's called a tiger chair, where they're clamped down on this chair for hours on end, oftentimes in solitary confinement. People sent to these camps for random reasons one of them could easily be you are in contact with someone abroad you have a family member abroad you engage in religion so if you pray if you mention the word god in your in your speech if you fast any type of indication that you are practicing religion that is enough for you to be sent to the camps and thousands of people have actually been transferred from these camps to prisons one of my relatives in early 2017 got put inside one of these camps last november he came out dead one of my relatives got sent to a camp because he went to the United States to attend my cousin's wedding in 2014. Last August, he got sentenced to 15 years of prison. Many of my relatives, we don't know if they're alive or dead. And there's not a single Uyghur who doesn't have at least one family member in these camps or some form of detention or prison. The worst part is when someone dies, their bodies are not taken to their families, but rather their bodies are cremated. And that's another way for China to hide the evidence of bodies coming out of being sent to these camps for a second time I was detained. I was taken to a special room and placed in a high chair. Bands held my arms and the legs in place and tightened when they pressed a button. The guards put a helmet on my shaved head. Each time I was electrocuted, my whole body would shake violently and I could feel the pain in my veins. I thought I would rather die than go through this torture. I begged them to kill me. Before we ate breakfast, which was water with very little rice, we had to sing songs hailing the Communist Party. We had to repeat in Chinese, in code. Long live Xi Jinping, and in code, lenience for those who repent and a punishment for those who resist. Anyone who could not memorize a book of... So, I, earlier I said it was too assimilating to Christianity beliefs, but I guess the China government is trying to just, like, take away religion in general and convert everyone into atheist beliefs. And they're forcing people... By just making people do horrible shit and if you don't cooperate, they will fucking kill you. They will kill you. So that's fun stuff. Not fun stuff, but you know what I mean. I'm going to now talk about the ICE detention camps. The um, ICE detention camps have been putting, I think, it's been before, during the Obama, the Obama administration, but with the ICE detention camps, it was only like a temporary while before they deported people, but it was like to a minimum. 
but with now with the Trump administration, they've just been like, like harassing like brown people or people that don't look American and just pe- throwing people at the borders or people um, who have been in the America undocumented for a while now into like high detention camps for. I think it's been happening since like January and it's currently October. It's really scary because they've been just throwing people into a concentration camp. And people are dying in these camps. And Like, these camps were, were never meant to, like, be prisons. But now it's, it's, these camps are now prisons for adults and children. And they're putting children's lives in danger because they're not giving, they're not giving anyone, like, um, equitable medical um, attention. They're, like, kids are dying because kids are sick. But they're not listening to kids that say they're not feeling well. The food they're giving is terrible. Kids are given a foil, like foil you used to wrap your foods as a blanket. And like the beds they're given is like so thick, it's so slim like, that you might as well just be sleeping on the floor. And kids are being put in cages, like actual kids just because they're not American and are being put in cages. And uh, and the only way people can really become, and like these um people who are supporting these camps are like, while well, this shop came in legally, but like these are children, are like if you are living a terrible life in your country and you um and, and, and like you live right next to America, you're going to want to cross the border and like people only do so. And then recently, um, ICE detention camps have been um, taking women's wombs out unconsensually, and the gynecologist um the gynecologist there has been sexually assaulting women and taking um. I've been taking our women's women's um, I've been taking our women's um uteruses and wombs out. I we st- I still don't know exactly what they're doing with the wombs, but they're probably using it for science or some shit. And that's some fuck shit because you shouldn't be doing you shouldn't be doing that at all. Okay, so I'm about to play a video from um now and this. So this is um COVID nineteen crisis in ice detention in detention centers. Tens of thousands of people are locked up in ICE detention facilities across the country in conditions ideal for a massive and deadly outbreak of the coronavirus. In mid-March, public health experts warned that Immigration and Customs Enforcement needed to take aggressive steps to thwart a disastrous outbreak of COVID-19 in its facilities. But months later, many say it has become clear that ICE did not heed those warnings. Now, its publicly confirmed infections are rising at an alarming rate. Now there is, there's been 1,073 cases confirmed in COVID-19 cases in, in, the, in these camps as of May 18. So, and it's currently October, so there's probably more because I don't think they were giving them masks. They were just like in close proximity and the officers were going home, um, which is possible that they could get the virus coming here and um, they're not getting equitable um services so they're just dying in the camps and like nothing's happening let's continue are rising at an alarming rate over the past few weeks i've been in contact with several ice detainees across the country some of them agreed to speak on video call while others asked not to be recorded out of fear of retribution but one thing that was similar in all of these conversations was their palpable sense of anxiety that outbreaks in their facilities were inevitable we are here fighting so bad to get out, you know, because especially now with this coronavirus, we're really scared and here. Because we're like rats trapped in a cage. If one of us gets sick, we're all bound to get sick. 
What is it about ICE detention facilities that make them particularly vulnerable to these types of viruses? In a word, these are what they call congregate settings. There's a lot of people collected in a close setting. So that is the major problem, not just for the people that are detained there, but clearly a problem for the staff that has to work there as well, putting their families and their, their own communities at risk. Uh, for when they leave their facility. Dr. Josiah Rich was one of the public health experts who came forward in March, trying to warn of a potential tinderbox scenario in ICE detention centers. He is being represented as a whistleblower. Okay, so I'm going to stop the video there, but it's a seven-minute video long on YouTube. If you just search up the ICE detention camps, it's from this, it's from the now and this. But yeah, um, it, the, the ICE detainees are, very, are like in risk of getting the COVID-19 and they are getting COVID-19 because if one person has it, the whole, the whole camp has it because like, like they're in such close proximity with each other and just treating like prisons and even prisons shouldn't be treated like this. Nobody deserves to be treated like they're not even human and be, uh, be harassed and killed for just like, just wanting a better life. But let's, re let's get back into the episode. And the ICE detention camp is the policy of holding individuals suspected by visa violations, illegal entry or unauthorized arrival, as well as the subject of deportation and removal until a decision is made of immigration authorities to grant visa and release to the community. But they're not even doing that. They're, they're literally giving people who don't even speak English to be in front of the court, tell them their rights and deport them. But So they're not even able to like defend themselves or even tell you why they came or if they were in any danger and that's why they came. So, like, people who don't even speak English, they're speaking English at them, and they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So, that's where the fucked up shit is coming from. For more information about more of this, um, Netflix has some good do documentaries that really explain what's going on from actual people that's living through this. And there's one I watched. It's a, it's a show. Um, it's called Living Undocumented, and it's, like, the whole process of the deportation and why people are, like... Just a lot of this whole chaotic mess with it. It's called Living Undocumented. There's more. There's one called Immigration Nation. There's a lot. Netflix has a lot. So please watch it. It's it's actually it's very interesting. Just very informative to know. Just like to see, like sometimes like it's different when you're just reading like an article. You're just like okay, it's sad. But but like when you actually like see actual people's lives being affected by this, it really shakes um, up the perspective of it. They're treating these people like criminals for wanting a better life. I see, um, I see women are getting sexual assaulted. Children are not given medical attention. Um, uh, uh, um, and the ICE detention camps are now basically being prisons. I'm going to read this, um, this paragraph on Instagram. The gynecologist Mahadrid Hamid told ICE officials, um, this week, he would no longer see patients from the detention um, detention center in OCL, Georgia. According to an official, the knowledge is that matters. The allegation against Amin came after a whistleblower complaint of the Department of Homeland Security, Office of the Inspector General, by, by Don Wooten, who actually worked as a nurse inside the detention, for, detention center. Wooten, who made on medical care of COVID-19 COVID testing inside the facility, allegedly unwanted hypostectomy have been performed on immigrant women. So the post says immigrant women detained by ICE will no longer see a gynecologist accused of performing gynecologist procedures because they're taking wounds out. And that was the, um, his name. 
The next one I'm going to talk about, I don't know much about this, so this is going to be a really short thing. But you can always search it out because the, the transcripts for this episode, everything I literally talked about from bullet points will be in the will be in the transcript of this episode. So just like look below if you, if you don't have Instagram to see. I will put all of this just so you, you get the information one way or another. The Rohingya and Maima. Perhaps the most high-profile genocide in recent years is that the Rohingya who live in Rohingya state of North in Mahama. Unlike the majority of Buddhist countries, the Rohingya are Muslims and have been suffered as a second-class citizen in Myanmar. Most people in the country believe that they are illegal immigrants and terrorists from Bangladesh. U.S. Secretary of State of State Rex Tilson officially declared the Rohingyas crisis as an ethnic cleansing or on Wednesday. So far, up to 3,000 people have been killed in Myanmar, or at least 200 people have been displaced. So basically, um, let me see where Myanmar is. Let me search up. Oh, um, Myanmar is a is a country in Asia. And basically, the the being um the Rohingya, the Rohingya are basically treated like second sight and citizens just because they're Muslims and they're seen as terrorists. Great things, you know. Um, the next one I'm gonna talk about now is the Nuha and the other ethnic groups in South Sudan. South Sudan became the world's newest country in 2011, but since 2013, the country has been mixed in brutal has been mixed in a brutal civil war south sudan's president Sa- Sala- salava king a member of the dinka's ethnic group has been using his army to wage the campaign of genocide of ethnic cleansing against the dika a main rival ethnic group the newer as well as other small as much as, as a, cleansing against the dinka and main rival ethnic group the newer as well as the small local groups. The newer have, have been taking part of an ethnic cleansing against the Dinka as well. The UK um, has bonded and targeted killing and raping as a genocide. Although the Dinka newer conflict has been a center of stage in the South Sudan, many smaller ethnic groups have also been implicated in the dizziness array of violence in the country. I don't know much about this. I, that's the information I can give you, or the information I found on Google. There's not a lot about these, but if you just search up like genocides happening around the world, a lot of these will come up, and that's where my sources are. And my sources are like within LA Times and the New York and the Washington Post. The Central African Republic wedged mainly between the Democratic Republic of Congo, South Sudan, and Chad. These are all countries in Africa. Has been embroiled in a civil war. While the war itself subsided in 2016, since then, ethnic tensions have been rapidly mounted and many observers feared, fear a genocide may be taking, may be taking place between, between the Christian and militia, and militias called the anti-Balakul and the Muslim, Muslim coalition. Stephen O'Brien, the head of the UN Humanitarian Office, said genocide and ethnic cleansing has been recently on the rise of the country. The escalation is very real. O'Brien is a briefing according to the Newsweek. We're looking, we're looking at things and haven't heard anything in a long time. This is very deep of ethnic cleansing and approach. 
Um, my next one I'm going to talk about is the Dilphoris in Sudan. There's a lot of stuff going on in Sudan. There's a lot of killings going in Sudan. And no one's talking about it. In the mid-2000s, Dufour was recognized as the first genocide in the 21st century. That's big. Like, we couldn't even wait a couple years before the, the humans, the human, the, like, I think a lot of what's causing these genocides around the world is money and greed and people being placed in, 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 in power and, and not wanting to do anything for the country in, hell, in need. And that's what a lot of these genocides are starting on, just like, the power just gets into people's head, and that's a lot, and that's why I think a lot of problems are. So I'm gonna continue. Well, it's recognized the first genocide in the 21st century by international observers and the U.S. ambassadors at the time, and while it was vanished from the headlines, and since then the atrocities being committed in the region in Western Sudan was continued. The ethnic killings began in 2003 when eth Ethnically, the militia support um, supported by Sudan, um, Sudan's president Omar Hassan of Al Basir began began massacring non-Arab people. Yeah, by the way, Sudan is like a mostly Muslim country. Massacring non-Arab people and and destroying their villages. The main victims of these campaigns have been for people, the, but other but other small non-Arab groups have been affected. In 2016 and 2017, violence increased in Darfur, and many, many refugees, refugee camps intentionally displaced Dufuris and has been attacked by Arab forces in a continuation of genocide in the 2000s. As a central government to, in crackdown, the, some, the same people have been captured in the world intentions in years to, to continue to suffer, to, to suffer persecution. So now I'm going to talk about the Nigeria slash SWAT. So, very interesting stuff, you know? Just like a lot of interesting stuff. So, I'm going to talk about Nigeria and SARS slash SWAT because SARS was disbanded by the government when the protest started, but then they released SWAT. Same shit, but different names, basically. So, SARS was placed to protect civilians from armed robbers and scammers because Nigeria has a lot of that. So, it's a good idea in place, but not a good execution. Okay, so I'm gonna play a video by a TikToker named Summer Charles, Summer Charles to explain um, a little bit more about what SARS is. SARS, or the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, is a branch of Nigerian police force put in place to protect the Nigerian people from armed robbers, but in turn have become exactly that. SARS is completely corrupted and even participate in illegal activity. Instead of protecting the people of Nigeria, they have harassed, robbed, profiled, tortured, and murdered them. This has especially affected the youth in Nigeria as they are the main ones targeted. Things have gotten so bad to the point where Nigerian people have taken to the streets to protest the end and disbandment of SARS. Mind you, they have done nothing but peacefully protest. In response to this, soldiers and SARS operatives have began shooting the innocent, unarmed, peaceful protesters. There have been a total of 78 deaths and counting so far. Their government and leaders are doing nothing to... Okay, so now I'm going to play um, a video of someone in Nigeria currently explaining their perspective. So her name on the account is called Inola Jumoke, and here is it. I, oh my god, I, I'm taking, my Nigeria card is taken away. Thank you very much. Hello, TikTokers. They are killing us. Please use your platform. 
a pause. Nigerian people, we are people, we are suffering. But we so smart. We don't ask for too much. All we need is good government. All we need is we want to live a good life. I can't watch this video anymore. Please use your platform. Help us. Use your power, whatever you have, you anything you have, use it. Please do not stop. Do not give up on us. Because it gave like it gave like police officers the right to just harass anyone that looks rich or like that looks dangerous or just like that. So they were they were basically profiling people. Instead the instead the police um extorted and harassed to kill innocent youth. So it's like they'll randomly just stop you on the street and they'll be like, I want to search all your personal belongings and I'm gonna search you if you have anything. I'm gonna search your phone. I'm gonna search your purse. I'm just gonna search anything. And if they do find something. You can give them money and they won't kill you. But if you, but if you just like talk back to them or something like that, they will kill you. Fun stuff, you know. The um the profiling of the youth, the profiling of the youth was they were they were they were profiling youth with nice cars, nice clothes, and iPhones, assuming that they're partaking fraud. And, and, so if you have like an iPhone, iPhone is seen as like a rich as as like a as something rich. So like. You probably you you scammed someone for it, so you killed someone for it. So they're going to so like if if I was just walking around my phone just texting, like they'll think I'm dangerous. I'm the last person that looks dangerous. So it's like they'll just like um, profile you just for looking like that. They were profiling the you. Um, Sars will go through your phone, search everything everything on yourself to withdraw money and threatening to kill you. Um. No, um, Sars is known for blatant, um, is known for blatant robbery that's backed by the law. Like, they would just take anything that they want because they can. Not technically, but, like, there's always loopholes in every law and everything that's created by the government. Protest started October 8th because, because one woman was shot by an officer after refusing his advances. So he was making sexual advances at him and she, um, she refused it, so he shot her. And uh, a man was shot at a protest. Okay, under um, medium.com, Alvin Scambo, S-K-A-M-B-O, medium page, he wrote an article of what's happening in Nigeria. So, I basically, that's where basically my sources for this portion of this episode came from. So, I'm going to now talk... I uh, talk about like the, the demands of where of what they're coming of what their demands are for the government. Um, our five demands are immediate release of all arrested protesters, two justice for all deceased victims of police brutality and appropriate comp- uh, compensations for their families, three setting up an independent body to oversee the investigation and prosecution of all reports and police misconduct. Misconduction in the last 10 days. In the line with the new police act, psychological evaluation and retraining, and to be confirmed of an independent body of all disbanded police officers before they can be redeployed. 
basically what SWAT is. And SWAT is currently still in like um in the bubble of still it hasn't been like executed yet and they're still training the officers. So hopefully fingers crossed it's better. But like it's probably gonna be the same. Um and Five, increase the police salary so that they are adequately comp compensated for protecting lives and properties of citizens. Really? Never heard that. But yeah, that is the five demands of the of um the protesters for that's protesters protesters for Nigerian souls. Ah, okay. So now I'm gonna talk about what's going on in Ivory Coast and Ghana because it's kind of the same. Um, child, child trafficking is currently going on in Ivory Coast and Ghana. As reported over the past five years, human traffickers exploit domestic and foreign victims in Ghana, and traffickers exploit, exploit from Ghana abroad. Organized traffickers who target to, vulner, to vulnerable parents and communities facilitate child trafficking in the fishing industry in Ghana and other West African countries. An estimate of any... 890,000 um, children work in the cocoa sector and some of the appearance and some traffic from abroad. According to, the, according to a 2018 report for anti-slavery organization, Walk Free Foundation, children are trafficked to Ivory Coast to other types of work such as mining and domestic, uh, um, domestic servitude. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about Liberia and the increased rape. Sexual, sexual violence against women increased by 50% in Liberia during the pandemic. The Ministry of Justice recorded more than 600 reported rape cases across January and June, done, done at a rate of reaching annual levels. And, th and this is just the rates that were recorded. So I know a lot of sexual victims don't record um, sexual violence that, that happened towards them. So just imagine the numbers for people who didn't report these numbers. Liberia's recorded 800 rape cases in 2015, according to the UN report. The prevalence of sexual violence in Liberia is once deep, with many women subjected and abused during the 14-year civil war from 1989 to 2003. Perpetrators, however, don't tend to face consequences, even when victims know, know who they are. Only 2% of rape cases were convicted, convicted in 2019. The country currently doesn't have a DNA machine, a key to help prosecute rape cases. And if sexual violence in Liberia will require a holistic approach. It is important to note that top-down that top-down decrease can only go so far. Rape is a symptom of deep-rooted gender inequality and misogyny. To eradicate the social norms and attitudes that normalize the, violence, the sexual violence and victim blaming, the Liberian government needs to support, act, support activities and foster behavior to change, changing and challenging the negative gender stereotypes. President George Welsh released a statement on September 11th that declared a national emergency in, in the country. According to our, uh, 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 in the country. He does um, introduce the first set of measures to address the increased rape, the increased in violence against women. The measures include designated specific prosecutors to handle rape cases and setting up a national sex offender registry. He's also creating a national security task force handling the sexual and gender-based violence and allocating two million to address this issue. 
Honestly, I think the president's um um way it did is a really good way of starting to starting to address the issue that's going on in Liberia. But like you know, in all governments, people people interpret it that separately, and I just I just hope if I later report back on this, it goes on good. Fingers crossed. I hope nothing but good news. But there was a national emergency for rape in Liberia because um. Rapists don't get don't get consequences for their actions. So yeah. Okay, so now I'm gonna talk about Nambia in South Africa, gender-based violence and race. Every day you hear about stories about women who might have been raped or had to slit their throat slit by their partner. Sexual and gender-based violence is a serious problem in Nambia. Last year, police handled over 200 cases of domestic abuse each month. Hendrick Oliver, commander of Nambia's gender-based unit, gender-based violence unit, told the Nambia press agency, "The unit, the women are ultimately subjected, subjected and sub, subjugated to the most heinous forms of treatments, erasing their autonomy and rendering them to second class in their country. The government has paid attention to their movement, and and this time because of the widespread nature and louder voice." Since Nadwa Alavindo, a spokesperson of Sister Nambia, a non-profit organization promoting women's rights. Power Pot Girls, Slut Chain Movement, and Outrise Nambia are women's rights organizations which have taken to social media to support, to support the Shut It All Down movement. So now I'm going to talk about Burkina Faso in West Africa. Currently, there's terrorism, crime, and kidnapping. Terrorist groups continue plotting attacks in Burkina Faso. Terrorists may conduct attacks anywhere with little or no warning. Burkina Faso, a landlocked country in West Africa, has been fighting a terrorist insurgents with ties of Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State group since 2018. So many, so many dead were blindfolded, had their hands up to hide and were shot in the head. The security crisis of the Sahel began in the alliance of separates of his Islamist militants taking over the northern Mali in 2012. France has launched a military intervention against them. Although a peace deal was signed in 2015, it was never implemented. implemented. New harmed groups have been emerged and expanded into central Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger, including groups linked to Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State groups, ISIS. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about Zimbabwe and what's going on. Seven million people in urban and rural areas are in urgent need of humanitarian assistance, compared to 5.5 million in August of 2019. Zimbabwe is facing an economic and humanitarian crisis. Inflation was running more than 500% at the end of the war. The newly introduced Zimbabwe dollar has lost most of its value and climate shocks has crippled Zimbabwe's agricultural and electrical generation, rendering, rendering more than half of the population food insecure. So basically, the government was just producing more money, and now that's where the inflation came from. And now, like, the money's not really worth anything. So that's where, like, you need more of the each person needs more of the money to be able to buy anything because of the inflation. Money's crazy, man. Money makes no sense. So basically, that's what's going on. Okay, so I'm going to play this video of this TikToker called Paris Fancy, just explaining how much Africa fucking helps. Without Africa, this, the world is going to shit, because every all the resources are in Africa. 
you guys know how much Africa helped the world. You guys don't know. All of those iPhones, computers, TVs, all of these technologies, all of those electronic things come from Africa. All those little devices that you use, it comes from Africa because in Congo, they having kids. They having kids digging on the ground just to find those little items that creates phone and iPhone. And it's like people are literally dying just for us to have a TV, just for us to have an iPhone. And that's not okay. And I'm not seeing enough people sharing. I'm not seeing enough people starting a campaign. I'm not seeing enough people protesting. Guys, please, like whoever wants to help me protest, I'm okay. Like whoever wants to help me send...